Hey folks, Rachel here. Before we start the show, we wanted to give a disclaimer and warning of the content discussed in this episode, that it may be triggering for some listeners. Many of you may know the show we are going to discuss today, but for those that do not, it deals with topics such as depression, suicide, abortion, and sexual abuse. Ultimately, we stand by the artists that created this show, but wanted to give this warning because we know that many of these topics are sensitive and should not be taken lightly. Below, in our show notes, you can find links to some hotlines and organizations that will guide you to a place of starting recovery and support. If you feel like it is not safe to listen to these topics, we ask that you kindly skip this episode and jump back in next week. Thank you, and we love you all so much. All right, now to the show. I don't know, but also a little shout out because there was no way I was going to make out, make out, make it through. (laughs) Not to. There was no way I was going to make it out of this episode without shouting out NBC's Rise, the show. Yes. You're welcome. It was uh, trying to um, make Spring Awakening happen in like a kind of glee high school musical-esque situation. And if you want to know more about the story, you should, you should, you should watch Rise. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of Theater Nerds. I'm your host, Rachel Jones. And I'm your other host, Taylor Reed. Theater Nerds is a podcast about our obsessions with theater, where we will explore all aspects of theater, musicals, and everything in between. This podcast is not set up to be a deep dive into technique or theater history, but we're hopeful that no matter if you're an enthusiast like us, Or if you've only seen your grandchild's school production of Bugsy Malone Jr., you'll enjoy this podcast. So cue the orchestra and come nerd out with us. In case you guys didn't know, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. That's right. And we would love for you all to share the show with all your theater-loving friends, neighbors, dog walkers, etc. You can also leave us a star rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from all you theater nerds. To find out more about the theater nerd cult, check us out at theaternerdpod.com, or you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at theaternerdpod and on Facebook at theaternerdpodcast. In today's episode, we're discussing Spring Awakening. No, no, the wonder, a purple summer. Rachel. Oh Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my goodness. Look at this crisp audio. <laughs> this this, <laughs> this funny crisp audio. Um, Love it. We are back doing another deep dive. I'm so excited to be s- discussing this show with you. Um, you just came back from seeing it. So you're really all theaterified today. You got the really. show in the afternoon. You got this and then you got tap class. I know. I did a matinee before this. Well, I didn't do it. I watched a matinee. Wait, let's be clear here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, pause. So <laughs> was the fish. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the cod that they have to kiss. That's my favorite. Um, yeah, I am all theater here, but I'm super excited to talk about the show that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, Taylor, I'm super excited to talk about the show that we're going to talk about today. Um, But would you mind reminding the good old folks at home how our deep dives at Theater Nerd works? Absolutely. So how it works here at Theater Nerds, every now and then on the podcast, one of us picks a show that we deep dive uh, and we literally, you know, jump into the deep end and we Ah. deep dive into it and learn some fun facts talk about our mvp talk about the songs and how it was made and all the fun things absolutely it's our time to to linger a little bit more on a show that we love so much yeah and today we're doing things a little bit differently than we normally do normally one of us surprises the other with a show but in light of the new hbo documentary that premieres tomorrow on hbo max on may 3rd we are going to be deep diving spring awakening yay Yay. and after you listen to this podcast you can clear your schedule like we will do also and watch the documentary and then we'd love to hear what you think about it 
Yeah, and uh, like I said, you can find it on HBO Max. It's um, called Spring Awakening, uh, colon, Those You've Known. So it was talking about a reunion with the cast um, that they did uh, back in November of last year. So super fun. We're we're all excited for it. Yeah, they did a little concert, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think they raised some money for... Mm -hmm the i believe the actors fund or either yeah. the actors fund or like broadway equity fed aids or yeah but both are great organizations yeah so. absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. well rachel tell me about first of all since you know both of us are talking about this show today i mean we normally do that on our deep dives but both when neither of us are surprising each other so both of yeah. us did research for this show Tell me, like, what was your first exposure to the show? I mean, back, we were 10 years old when this premiered. <laughs> so there's that. So we definitely were not in, like, the demographic of this show when it first well. premiered. But tell me first, before we do a little, like, synopsis, tell me, like, how you found out, like, what you remember about finding out about the show. Yeah, there are two distinct memories I have about the show that are kind of a little fuzzy because we were children. So right. who knows? But I remember being in youth group, um, so like seventh grade, so obviously a little bit after the show had come out, um, and Not a having people that grew up religious and went to youth group. Yeah, sorry, yes, absolutely that. <laughs> um, and I don't remember. We were talking about something. We probably were talking about rent, and someone said something about Spring Awakening, and I truly was like, "Who? Who is that?" Mm-hmm. I could probably already quote all of the rent songs at this point. I was secretly, you know, soon to secretly be listening to the illegally downloaded CD of uh, Next to Normal, Mm. which also had explicit content. And someone told me about this show or they were talking about the show. And I immediately went home and, of course, started Googling things. Um, But I really I mean, I don't think anything stuck that much with me. I was still we were we were still honestly we were. At that point, I was still riding the like wicked train. Yeah. You know, I'm still in the like, okay, you know, we were, we were about to do, what were we doing? Aladdin in school. And, you know, I had yet to do CYT stuff. So we were still, I was still in the new, the new to musical theater realm Mm -hmm. in some way, shape and form. So then flash forward probably to later eighth grade, whenever Glee came out, Tay, when was that? 2009. 2009. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay, great. So right around then, that's right. It was what we were in. Eight, we were in eighth grade. No. 2009. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eighth grade or seventh grade? Yeah, eighth grade. Eighth grade. Seven is when we met. Oh, that's when we met. So was eighth grade. So yeah, this is eighth grade. This is May 2009. So this is maybe seventh grade. So maybe not that long yeah. after this yeah. is yeah. happening, actually. So not that long after this is happening, Glee comes on, 2009, 2010. I'm obviously watching this. It was like peak time, um, throwback to when you had to watch a show once a week. And that was the gossip that you had while you were at the lunch table in public school. So I started watching Glee. There are some really cool people that you might know on Glee or were at the time. And when you Google about them, they, some of them were in the show Spring Awakening. And so then, you know, Glee is also exposing me as, as much as we can hate on Glee, that could be its own episode about that. It really did expose me to a lot of music of songs in pop culture, but then also in musicals that I hadn't yet heard. Um, And so then I, I just kind of took a turn and, and Leah Michelle being Rachel, that's my, also my name, just in case everyone didn't remember, <laughs> you know, I was very much like, I need to know everything about her. Maybe I need to assume some of her persona. And then she was obviously the star or one of the stars in the show as well in Spring Awakening. So that's how I, I found out about Spring Awakening. What about you, Tay? This is a really good question. Cause I don't really remember how I found out about it. Um, I do think when it first premiered, like we were talking about, like we were too young to know what it was. So I don't think I knew about it when it first premiered, but I remember, uh, yeah, I think Glee maybe definitely was like, maybe the, I backtracked and like, look, you know, what Jonathan Groff or, or Leah Michelle did. 
um, at the t- before, but uh, I do remember like doing deep dives on Broadway.com. Shout out to Broadway.com. Oh, we um, love them. Of um, just different videos and stuff and of the cast and stuff like that. I have a distinct, I remember watching a performance of them on the Rosie O'Donnell show which was really oh my cool. gosh um I'll link that in the show notes it's, it's actually really good and Rosie O'Donnell was the the first one I heard that said the entire cast was under again under 25 I think when they did the show except like three characters like or something like that so that that was like kind of mind-blowing to me but also again like we grew up in like you know religious spaces so this show was like I think when like our I don't know about your parents but my parents when my parents like found out about like what the show was about they weren't like super into it (laughs) and (laughs) and also a theater company in where we grew up in Richmond ended up doing the show and that was like a big like it was like pretty controversial at the time in the community I felt like that we were in because everyone knew that it was pretty yeah like adult content yeah even backing up a little bit Tay um when we were in high school and I, I we weren't even I wasn't even a senior yet uh, I don't think yeah no I think it was maybe sophomore junior I, I would say probably junior year of high school maybe mm-hmm. we I was in a class um and the songs were from Spring Awakening yeah at our at our Christian Youth Theater mm-hmm. and I the I know it got a lot of backlash I'm sure right. I also wasn't at this point I had watched a bootleg of the show but I really fully was still not understanding all that was it was talking about right. um which if you just listen to the songs maybe as an adult now you 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 understand but I I didn't fully understand and when you're just singing one or two songs at random in a you know showcase medley and you care about whether or not you're gonna get the solo for those eight bars you're not thinking about the weightiness of the show so it is it is an interesting question that maybe we'll circle back into in our in our conversation taylor because the actors were so young putting this on um and yet i don't know if it's right to hide this kind of content from people i i i obviously understand that people under the age of a you know a certain age they don't have the same agency and parents mm-hmm. do get to make choices. Um, but I wonder if conversation itself is crucial to like, to this experience, but also to the experience in general and not to go into the plot, but the whole premise of the show is that none of the adults are talking to the kids about what's real. Right. right. And that's what gets them into all these bad decisions. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's funny because I think the two songs I knew I shouldn't listen to were the explicit songs, like Totally Fucked and Bitch of Living. Like I knew both, I knew all of those words to those songs. Both are such bangers. They are bangers. And after this, if you haven't listened to those musical, you, as long as there are not children or sensitive ears in your car, you should turn on this album. But it's, yeah, like- but those songs are not the hardest parts of this show. Yeah, yeah I agree. And so I agree. that's funny. So talking about the plot. So this is like some, this is a coming of age rock musical. Um, yeah. it, it with music by Duncan Sheik, who is a very well-known Love. Um, composer, uh, book and lyrics by Steven Sater. Uh, it's based on an 1891 German play of the same name, Spring Awakening, by Frank Wiedekind. I hope that's right. Better you, you than me. Names on the show. Um, it's set in the late 19th century in Germany, um, and it tells the story of teenagers uh, essentially discovering their inner and outer um, sexuality is really what it's kind of about, uh, adolescent sexuality, and the music it really has a lot of different styles, but I'd, I'd say mostly like rock and kind of folky alternative rock type of stuff. Um, so it's really like this story of these young children in a boarding school kind of learning all about like life and how, you know, sex works and how you, uh, going through a lot of adult issues because <clears throat> like Rachel was saying earlier, a lot of the adults didn't really communicate them 
at all to that or you know told them lies essentially so they kind of just had to find things out on their own yeah a lot of yeah a lot of their angst and you'll hear if you're listening to the show the songs of the show um a lot of their angst comes from frustration of like what they're told they should or shouldn't do or not knowing things I mean they get into a lot of trouble I mean this makes it sound like these choices are bad I don't want to say that well I don't want to say that all of these choices are bad I don't want to shame people and in that way are these characters necessarily but their frustration is very clear because there's no one talking to them honestly about it Mm. um and even you know not just sexuality things but just being frustrated at like or overwhelmed at the idea of the system being against you I mean they're in a very strict boarding school at some point one of the main characters quotes misquotes a line from his you know readings or whatever and the teacher yells at him and this becomes their demise the character's demise right um and just the strictness the isolation of these children and then them having to them having to explore or think through what they think is novel like they think no one else is thinking this because no one else is talking to them about it. And if they even talk to each other about it, it's maybe past the point of being able to learn um, or being able to like understand that they are not alone. I mean, I I think if I were to pick a main theme, honestly, of the show, which I think is hard, but it would be mishaps because isolation or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Destruction almost because of isolation. Yeah. Well, and then there's no accountability for even yeah. like the parents do a lot of things wrong. I don't, it's just very, the whole show is super interesting. I, it's very interesting. I, concept. Yeah, I wonder where Duncan Cheek and Steven Stater, even like the original, like they, I guess one of them had read this play and were like, this seems like a interesting, you know, good story to, <laughs> to, to talk yeah. about. They, I know that they met in like some kind of religious, like Buddhist school. Yes, I did read that. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know how, if they were like, let's read this play together or if they were. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, two things I did. So this show premiered in 2006 off Broadway and then moved to Broadway shortly after. Um, And also it opened in in December of 2006. It ended up running for three years and ran 859 performances, closing on January 18th, um, 2009. Um, And I do want to, two things I want to say about that too, is that 2006 feels very early for this type of content. I don't know why, but when I look back on like early 2000, like, you know, before like 2010 type of era, this this just feels like such a like ahead of its time type of topical musical, like the topics that are being discussed, which I think is great, but also I'm like, wow, this and the fact that it was doing workshops and stuff, you know, like seven years prior in the late 90s too, it just feels, and I guess maybe like rent like walked so this could run a little bit. Hair um, and then run. Yeah, and then you're, right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, maybe that, but I think the theater also allows you, and we'll talk about this, I think maybe forever, is that it allows you the space to talk about things more that are more intense or more just like different subject or even like allows you to do language in a way that film and television doesn't because you have that separation with the audience and they kind of like get sucked in a little bit more. Um, well, with a movie, it's just like, or a TV show, it's like so up in your face and it's not like, you know, you don't have that willing suspension of disbelief as, as much, I feel like, but. Yeah, I want to pause here because I think I have a, I have something to note on the idea that this works so well as a stage musical, um, in the off-Broadway 2006 version and in the on-Broadway 2006 version at the Eugene O'Neill Theater, there were seats on the stage right. for audience members, which is very Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. So like, this is not a new theater thing. Yeah. Um, it is fairly rare when it comes to Broadway shows, especially Broadway shows that aren't a theater in the round where like maybe some of the seats are co-opted right. by the stage um but this is not that this is where book of Mormon was just in case anyone wants to yeah. know but 
Um, the Book of Mormon will stay forever. Yeah, true. They're still there. Um, <laughs> but there were seats on the stage for audience members and then also for standbys, like cast members to be in position there as well. Um, and I was trying to read about why, why the director decided that they wanted people on stage. And some of the quotes that were pulled were essentially like, so that people knew that they were participating because they're watching, right. right? Like there's something about this show where you feel disgusting that you're watching this and you have, you're not saying anything. Right. Right. Like, um, it's why comedy of errors works as a comedy of errors. And this is a tragedy of errors, right? Like this, you're seeing the dominoes fall and you're complicit, I think maybe is what the director is saying. You're complicit because you're watching it happen. Yeah. And I think that that's a reflection on, on this, the generational issues here where like the parents, whether they are bad parents, which we'll talk about, or they're isolating their children or they're not telling their children the truth because they think they're morally protecting them, they're at fault mm. for what happens. And yet you see 16 year olds have to actually take on the ownership right. of those decisions when you know, like it's not fully theirs. Mm. Um, and I find how powerful it would be to watch someone watch this show while you're watching the show. <laughs> Um, and I think that that's, I think it's something not to be missed about yeah. the, the impetus of the show or like why this works so well as a stage musical and maybe why it will never be adapted into a film thing. I know we're going to watch the HBO documentary, but that's not the same as having a filmed stage production. You think it won't ever be made into a film? I don't think it will. Yeah. I think that part of it's not just it's artistic beauty in this way right but I think part of its allure like part of its gravitation is that it is rare it's not just like there for every mm -hmm. for any moment you need it because I do think it's diff I I would argue that this is not something you can consume lightly mm. yeah it's more like visceral and reactive as a as a stage like you get yeah you nothing would inherently add to it if you made it a movie I guess yeah 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 something along the lines of um kind of the parent discussion of it all is I I distinctly remember but I think it was broadway.com but I'm not gonna sh you know maybe it wasn't all I'm gonna go find this video and put it in the show notes below yes. but there was this video they did and I this to me looking back feels very like of the 2000s era like before you know of the 2000s era um of like they did like interviews with like audience members after the show and like yeah. asked them like oh what did you guys like and it was a lot of it was like parents and children yeah and, um I feel Playbill did this Maybe it was, maybe it was Playbill, but okay, keep going. I distinctly remember watching this video and just having, it was really cool because a lot of the parents were like, yeah, it was like really uncomfortable at some points. And like, but the kids were like, I, you know, really engaged and like talk about this. And they were like, it's such a good show to like talk about. And I think something we will, we should say to, I mean, maybe I'll cut the, like, it's not really like a fun show. Like, it's not like a, it's not like a, that's the thing afterwards you're like, you don't really like, it's not like you don't feel good, but you're not like, this is like, like even something like next to normal, like there is hope in the end. I don't really know if there really is that in the end of this. Well, what we think of the show. Rachel has actually seen the show. I actually have not yeah. seen it live. So you probably know more about it than I do. <laughs> I don't know, but also a little shout out because there was no way I was going to make out make out make it through <laughs> not to there was no way I was gonna make it out of this episode without shouting out NBC's rise the show yes. you're welcome it was uh, trying to um, make spring awakening happen in like a kind of glee high school musical-esque situation yeah. Yeah. and if you want to know more about the story you should you should you should watch Rise. There's just, 10 episodes uh, and then it got canceled. <laughs> just DM Rachel on Twitter, Instagram. If you, okay, wait, as, a, as an aside, as a single person on this podcast, if you yeah. watch NBC Rise, 
and you also are single, you should definitely DM me. That's <laughs> okay. So we talked about it a little, I mean, uh, of course, like it's set in, in the boarding school, but I heard every song, and this may not be true, every song is written from the point of view, like every lyric is written from that person's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's true. I'm pretty sure. It, so they're only talking about their own themselves. Themselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which I find extremely fascinating. I love it. I also think it's interesting. And so I find what you said very compelling about it's very eye-based for two reasons. One, developmentally, this showcases to me that there was a choice to make sure that the audience members knew that the thought process of these people on stage was still children-esque. Right. You know how when you ask an eight-year-old to tell you a story, they're only telling you what they've seen. They have no understanding that uh, there are other people who are affected by their story. It's totally fine. That's developmentally what we work on. Perspective. Now that we say like, I'm the main character, you know. Yes. Yes. So I find it interesting. So like in my mind, that signals once again, like these are children, like in a powerful way for the story. The other thing that I love about that is because we get some, we get some good songs um, in the show. And the first one is a, uh, I was going to call her Rachel Berry. That's terrible. Leah Michelle <laughs> sings, Windla sings, and then it's reprised by all of the girls, basically right. all of the girls yeah. um, besides Ildi, besides her, everyone else, all the other girls sing the Mama Who Bore Me reprised. So oh, I think love that song, by the way, that's such a, book. yeah. So I, but I find this interesting what you're saying of like all the songs being written in first person, as if the people singing them were writing them, yeah. because I also think that that's powerful when there are, you'll see ensemble songs, but all of them are singing them as if it's them. Mm-hmm. And I think, wow, that's, that makes me want to go back and listen to all the songs and think more powerfully about yeah. them. Yeah, you really, I when that. I heard that, you really do have to go, yeah, you go back and you're like, oh, wow, it is really, especially ones like, like those you've known is the one that really sticks out for me where you're hearing more, it's Wendela and Melchior, but they're all just talking about their own. And that's at a really like pivotal point in the show anyway, but you're, you're really um, hearing all of their perspective that I think those you've known was the first song I ever heard from the show. So that one like really is really like close to home. That's one of my favorites of the show. Yeah. Um, but we, so we have characters like Melchior and Wendela and they meet each other and they fall in love. And, you know, there's a crazy sex scene in the show with them, which, you know, uh, apparently from some views on the stage, if you're sitting on the stage, you could get a direct shot at Jonathan Groff's butt. I've heard this yep. many people. Mm-hmm. So if you were one of them, um, DM us on Twitter. Congratulations. On Twitter and Instagram. Soak it in. Tell us, tell us how it was. Um, you got Moritz, who uh, incredibly played by John Gallagher Jr., who uh, taking is home a Tony, taking home that Tony, who's friends with Jonathan Gross character Melchior, and then you have kind of all the kind of it's one giant ensemble, but you kind of have those. I'd say are the three like main roles that you definitely follow throughout the show, but you have all the kind of side characters that you follow uh, as well. I would say, you know, uh, Moritz is the one who ends up killing himself. And so that's a very important part of the show. Um, And then Wendla and um, Melchior, uh, as Taylor has said, they have sex. And then she has a kid and then has to decide what to do, is pregnant, I guess I should say, and then decides what to do with her baby as she is, or her pregnancy as she herself is a child. Um, when you say the dark, I know well, which is sung by Ilze and Martha, that's about their parents abusing them, their father specifically sexually abusing them. Um, and Martha tells people to like, not say anything. So like, that's also a plot point. And Ilze is kicked out of her home, which you find out through the show, um, pre, pre the starting of the show, essentially she's been kicked out and now she's wandering the streets 
alone or the fields alone. She you know, lives in a hippie space. Um, and then you have, you know, people who are trying to explore their own, their own sexuality and like thinking about what does that look like? And, you know, world of your body sung the reprise sung by Hanshin and Ernst, um, is also yeah. interesting. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot of points here. Um, and then you have those like angsty adolescent songs, like the oh, yeah. and, and totally fucked and, and, um, my junk, which yeah, is also a song about masturbation. Yeah amazing i mean that song is so fun it is such a fun song i did not know that's what it was about when i started singing it that's for sure we definitely sang it in that showcase just want you to know throw back to that christian youth theater showcase we had we sang my junk as an ensemble once again i mean we all got our junk my junk is my junk is you (laughs) i gotta say you guys can bit that little quote there and put it anywhere you want Uh, (laughs) (laughs) patreon Uh, perks only is the full song okay (laughs) well i think something that also i too want to discuss with you about this deep dive is yeah of course it was nominated for 11 tony awards it took home eight tony awards really the the overall question i want to say is and I'm glad that obviously I'm glad this show exists. It really launched, and we're going to talk about this later. It really launched a lot of careers. Absolutely. And I just want to. What do you think is the overall like reason why this show is so beloved and popular? Did you also mention that they won the Grammy Award for the cast album? You can shout that out too. Okay. Um, <laughs> why is it beloved? Hmm. Oh man, Taylor, this is hard. First of all, I just think there's something so powerful about being so avant-garde. Yeah. Um, right. Like a lot of the time, I I I to overgeneralize musical theater, a lot of the time when a serious conversation comes up in musical theater about sexuality or about suicide and depression or about abuse it's like potentially one character like one yeah maybe a side character kind of played for laughs or it's like their momentum like moving them through but only lightly you know because we we break into it a song or there's another fairy godmother character you know to archetype to come help you you know what i mean like they're they're right i think kinky boots obviously was after this there's clearly things about sexuality in that but it's also i would name that as a fun show so you have you have things like that or or the tragedy you have is death Mm-hmm. I mean, Lehman is being the best example of this. Yeah. So, and even Rent, even Rent did not f- fully go into the like interworkings of the mind of like how hard it is to deal with these things. Obviously people are dying yeah. and that is terrible. And there's obviously a lot of angst and I don't think Rent laughs at that in any way, mm. but I also don't think in a way that this does, it doesn't intellectual like it doesn't it doesn't give us this perspective this inward perspective this journal's perspective the other reason why I mean this is my just my in my opinion the other reason why people love it is because you feel you shouldn't like it like you feel you feel like I don't know if I should like this do you like it do you okay you like it okay I'm okay okay good you know it's kind of like when you're afraid to tell your boss you just watch that HBO show that has a lot of nudity in it you know so you wait for your boss to tell you that they watch a show and you're like wasn't it so good it is exactly this and like all of a sudden people were like it's amazing and I think that was the younger generation obviously of people um and then people are like oh yeah oh my gosh have you seen have you heard blah 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 so that's those are my two cents I think too well as you were talking I was thinking did Spring Awakening walk a little bit so Euphoria could like take <laughs> over the world right now? Um, because- or like sex education or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is Spring Awakening the, you know, musical version pre all these things? But again, like we're, th- we're having this conversation back then in 2006. Like that's kind of crazy to me. Like so much is, has changed in the space of all these discussions. Well, and I... I remember when I was doing the like 
in my Leah Michelle Jonathan Groff deep dark rabbit hole right. of like I, at one point Leah Michelle was talking about her parent like someone's parents not wanting them to do the show whether it was I don't know if it was hers or after they had already started on Broadway because there were so many people who would like protest mm-hmm. near the theater or like send them messages like via the mail or other things or like say things in the press and she's like we're kids we're like and not quite obviously they're 18 mm-hmm. but mostly children in some way like they are these are people who are trying to Leah Michelle, and then I think one other person had been in a Broadway show, right? Mm-hmm. Two, maybe two others yeah. have been in a Broadway show, but like they're making their debut as main characters in a Broadway show that is a lot of hard content. I can imagine that the backlash for that was was quite crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I think again when you have a show that is geared towards younger people too it can um people lash you know people take ownership of that and I think it's something that um really really spoke to a lot of young people and and still does too it really it really still does absolutely Um, so tell me what uh or maybe I'll go first but we're gonna talk about our favorite songs from the show um we kind of lightly kind of you know, walked around them a little bit, but mine is, I, I continually, as much, I love, you know, pretty much every song in the show is, is great. And, uh, but I continually go back to this song. And again, like, it is just, I love singing it. I sing it in the car whenever I, I just, I think it also too, there's an aspect of it. Like it's perfectly in my range. I just love singing it. And that's touch me. Touch me is such a great song. And it's just so unfortunate too, that it's also like about sex basically (laughs) and touching your, and also masturbation. Like it's about all of these things. So it's also, it's just such a song and, but it's also a good carpool song, Taylor. Oh my gosh. Carpool, (laughs) carpool karaoke of it's me just, you know, rolling up to the stoplight and doing, I would love to see a crosswalk musical of spring awakening. Spring awakening. Yeah. Honestly, what would that be like? I don't know. So, Touch mm. was my favorite. I do have, you know, Mama Who Bore Me. I want to shout that out, those you've known. And then also, um, The Dark I Know Well. Lily Cooper is just so incredible in that song. He's so good. Oh, yeah. Agree. Agree. So, I, I think that that maybe is my favorite song. Yeah. But the song that I listen to the most um, is definitely Totally Fucked. No doubt about it. Catch me that one time I really, really, really wanted to just post on my Instagram the end and just that. I just wanted to type that and see if anyone got the reference. Yeah. So I I think I also think the world of your body is a beautiful song and they did too. They reprised it. But the song Purple Summer, which is the last song of the show, potentially is my favorite song not just because I like purple uh, or because I would be ill. <laughs> my second favorite color. Yeah, most of perfect. I don't know why you didn't pick that number, Taylor. Why did you not pick this musical number? No, I mean, I think I like it because as Taylor might have said, I'm not sure that there is hope at the end of this, but there isn't, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Mm-hmm. and the these characters are changed and in essence you are as well mm-hmm. and the end of this song essentially is like all will know like now things are going to come out like now because all of this shit has happened people can't turn their heads away any longer yeah and i i think there's something really morbid about that <laughs> but i think that there's something very true like when people are in, right? Like, have you ever been in that space where you think a car is going to hit you and it doesn't at like a stoplight or something? And you're just like, you, and you just have that moment of like, oh crap, I need to be more careful or like, oh, I forgot that death is a reality, right? Or like getting hurt is a reality. Mm-hmm. And that's in essence, I think what the song is saying to you, like, okay, pay attention now. Yeah. 
In this blurb I found about the song of Purple Summer, it says, led by LZ, everyone assembles on stage in some stagings wearing modern clothes to sing about... Uh. Oh, amazing. Love that. Think about how, although the adults may still call the shots with their uptight views, they will not last forever. And the seeds are already being planted for new, open minded, inf- and informed generation. Yeah. So, like, the hope is coming, right? Yeah. Like, we are, yeah, we're, we are the seeds that have, blo- are going to bloom. Yeah. yeah. And it's, that's, cr- that's kind of a cool message. But also, yeah, yeah it can be, sad again be too because you know like i was saying earlier destruction had to happen for us for our minds to be open yeah yeah kind of crazy honestly the show is so good yeah and and this the cast is stellar let's let's talk quickly at least somewhat we can't we would be a horrible deep dive if we did not mention the original absolutely well my mvp of the show i will say i don't know if you're it's your mvp but my mvp of the show is the cast (laughs) i mean you cannot i mean this original cast is literally insane and the fact that they're i mean pretty much all of them and even when you look at some national tour cast original cast pretty much all of them are still working today. I mean, all of them are still doing stuff. And that's just in the, in the industry of either Broadway or, or movies and film or whatever, the entertainment industry, it's really hard to still be relevant, you know, over 10 years later and, you know, 15 years later. When 15 you, years later. It's kind of crazy. And I think it's awesome. It also just speaks to, you know, the casting director or the director of the piece who really believed in these these kids really that like it showed really how um, talented they all were. Not that they weren't talented at the time, but like it really just, it's crazy how, how amazing they were. So of course we've mentioned Jonathan Groff who really, I'd say, I don't know if you agree, really is the biggest star out of, uh, out of this whole show. Um, He's the one. He leaps out yeah. of this show. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the show, he is in the most of the scenes out of everyone. I think he yeah. has the most. I think he's almost on the stage the whole time. I'd say Lea, him and Leah Michelle right away. But of course, Leah Michelle gets glee like almost right after she finished. Immediately. Yeah. And that really, and but Jonathan Graff is still working. I mean, we all know, everyone knows who he is. So, and Leah Michelle. Yeah you know, does her thing, whatever she, you know, she's a mom now, she does, and she'll, she'll always be remembered on Glee, but I, what I love about Jonathan Groff is that he's so versatile, and also, too, like, he really ultimately comes back to the theater, which is just so wonderful, and you know that, like, he loves it. Um, next, we have John Gallagher Jr. playing Moritz, of course, um, winning the Tony. This truly, I mean, really, like, I've seen him in films. A great film, if you haven't seen him in it, it's called Short Term 12. Um, I believe it's either on Amazon or I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes below. But he, it, that movie is so good and he just, he plays such a small role in it, but um, it's so wonderful. Directed by um Dustin Daniel Crenton who who now is doing Shang-Chi and doing all the Marvel movies like some Marvel movies but it's just this really small movie about mental health and also it's just wonderful so go watch that if you haven't it's so good um, and not to not to also um be missed is that he played in American Idiot <laughs> yes um yes, yeah on Broadway regionally yeah. and then on Broadway Obviously that was after, that was, I think, I think he was in Spring Awakening for a year. So until two, 2006 to 2007, yeah. then there were some things in between because that didn't start until 2009. Yeah. But, but also- he was really big at the time. I mean- Yeah. Well, he was really big in that show. Yeah. Lauren Pritchard? Yeah. Played my favorite character. <laughs> Ilse. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Wonderful. Um, Hanshin with Jonathan B. Wright, um, and then other people you might know, Lily Cooper as Martha, also still back on Broadway. Was I mean, she's what? What else? Was she? she was in SpongeBob. Not wait, how could I not say that? Okay, well, she's, she's also recently. Yeah, after this, she did Wicked. She did yeah. SpongeBob. She did. Um, she's done she quite a few things, and she just was in Tootsie. Yeah, right. 
Um, He's getting a show that I found while I was researching this called it's called POTUS and then colon or oh, that's right. Yeah. Or behind every great dumbass are seven women trying to keep him alive. And this is just opened on Broadway like a week and a half ago or two weeks ago. Just opened with an incredible cast. I mean, you got Lily Cooper, Rachel Dratch, Julian Huff, um, Leah Delaria and Vanessa Williams. I mean, what a crazy cast. Amazing. Crazy. Yeah. So Lily from here and Gideon Glick, obviously 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 we love him love him um and then There's not to be him on uh marvelous mrs mazel season four. Oh yeah Marvel. you're right on and of course to kill a mockingbird still working and he i found and spider-man movie. turn off the dark don't you forget it yes i was gonna say spider-man turn off the dark <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's amazing he's also yeah he's just honestly so amazing um, and then other people to note, or specifically, I would like to note is Skylar Austin. Yeah. So also Glee then turned into other things was recently on Zoe's extraordinary playlist. Yep. Also pitch amazing. Perfect. Also in pitch perfect. Dang it. How could I forget that? He's going, he's going to be the replacement. Speaking of people who are in shows. So amazing. Just a quick aside, Jonathan Groff recently pre-pandemic played in Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Gideon Glick also yep. played as a, one of the replacements. Skylar Austin is about to play in. Yes. Yeah. So I just really love this. I love this for them. And then I think there are some other people in the original national tour, like Christy Altamar and then Andy Mentes. Mentes? Mantis. Also on, yeah. also on Smash after this yeah and writes books some other like so even like some broadway swings we want to shout out jennifer being in the in a swing in from next to normal krista rodriguez who from smash krista and then she goes on to do adam's family and kills it and then Doyle being in uh, who's currently in uh company i believe i think he's in the revival of company yeah that's amazing some replacements you talk about hunter parish who went on to be in godspell caitlin um kennanen who went to be in the prom um and then you have amazing tour replacements being matt doyle and taylor trench who is yeah what who did evan hansen so these casts are just insane i mean it's like an insane amount of talent it is absolutely insane ali stroker (laughs) being also in the broadway revival and alex weiss i mean just too many people to name i it's just amazing honestly the legacy of the show is it because they also won a Grammy? I don't know. But like the legacy of the show, when people play in the show, it's yeah, like you're on a fast track somewhere. I don't know where, but you're on it. Yeah. Um, do I have an MVP of the show? No, but I have a good, I have an MVP of, a, I wish I was there for this moment, but I love this clip that I found about Jonathan Groff. Yes. Can I share that? Oh, of course. Okay, so I'll link it in the show notes because- when I found it, it was like the best thing I've ever seen in my life. But essentially, Jonathan Groff <laughs> talks about how in one of the shows, also, this is a hard show. Like you're doing it so often. Yep. You're potentially new to having to do eight shows a week. You're, you're just like a lot. There's a lot of energy. Can you imagine lots of young people in a show? Um, so it's just like a lot of things. Yep. So Jonathan is talking about how Jonathan Groff is talking about how he forgot the words to left behind, which is very important. Anyway, I found this clip a while ago. Like it's, and it's one of my favorite things to watch. I think this was right after frozen. The first frozen movie came out and I found this, like, it's a three minute clip. I will literally put it right here in the show notes. And it is about Jonathan Groff explaining about how he himself forgot the words to all things or he forgot the words to left behind not all things he sings only all things are left behind like that's the whole point and it's just be a very serious time anyway it's an amazing clip it says everything you need to know about the show and about jonathan groff and that's my mvp my other mvp is the chairs on the on the yeah stage mm-hmm. i think that that's an mvp i've heard some this- funny yeah some stories of some crazy people that sat on the stage for the can imagine for the show yeah and as someone who has seen Jonathan Groff in a show live where I was two 
two rows back on this on a in the audience I can attest to the fact that like he is very he salivates a lot while he's enunciating and working and he's pretty sweaty and like I know he was really self-conscious about that yeah. Well, during the show, because people were on the stage yeah, and like people wrote about it. There's like a playbill.com um, oh thing where re- people are reviewing, like, what was it like to sit on the stage? And they're like, Wendla and uh, Melchior were both really sweaty. And you're like, okay, no shit. <laughs> they're working their asses off. Literally Jonathan Ross has to basically get naked. So does Leah Michelle yeah. on the stage where you are. And their per- person dies, you know, it's just like, there's a lot of things here. Right. Right. No, exactly. I also anyway. remember either hearing or reading this thing that right before the last performance of like the original cast, the whole cast like slept in the theater. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. There's a little video of this. Oh my gosh. I hope this is in the HBO thing that comes out tomorrow. But there was a there's little Lee, there's little Leah Michelle, and she's talking to this camera and she looks like she's 12. She's not, but she does. She looks like she's 12. <laughs> and she's like, Yeah, and, the, and like here's where they're showing you the rooms for their like where they get ready and like they have fan mail it's so cute we have to find this clip and then they're like yeah and we're gonna sleep here for the next like tomorrow night because it's our last last show and it's just so cute and she's talking about how she and Jonathan are really good friends and Mm. talk about I I think something maybe that this show gave theater kids like theater people like us Taylor um was this idea that how we do shows and how they do shows are pretty similar like just feeling like your family like I I, they're not that far removed and I'm sure professionals feel this way too obviously other people on Broadway probably also feel akin but there's something about this simplicity of the staging and outfits and hair of the show that probably makes them feel like they really have to trust each other and be a real family and they've been doing the show you know it it had been workshopped for so long and not in almost all of the people who are on the on Broadway were in off Broadway. Right. Um, so. Yeah. And that they were yeah. so young, like they all had to come together and they were, it was like all their first experience of, yeah. of being on Broadway, but also being in a hit Broadway show, which is like super rare. Insane. And yeah. Yeah. So crazy. That clip, that, that story in particular, just like, is so cool. And it's like one of those things that like, you always hope that people in a show like in a tv show or movie or a cat a theater show like everyone like loves each other so much but it doesn't yeah. happen all the time and this show you could really tell that like they all loved each other and like yeah. really genuinely like enjoyed being with each other and also it's apparent even today like Jonathan Groff and Leah Michelle are so close and also the fact that they most if not all of them came back for the reunion concert. Union. That's really cool. And all of them pretty much talk pretty fondly mm-hmm. about their experience with the show. Yeah. I know that other people have, you know, we can talk about Leah Michelle and her Glee experience and other people in their own experience, right. but where they were for this show, I just heard really, they seem to talk well about each other in relation to this show yeah. and same with the director. So for sure. The last yeah. thing I want to reference here is that, uh, of course, in 2015, this show was revived from the Deaf West um, Theater Company. Uh, they did a production of it in where Deaf West is founded. And then I think that production went to Broadway. I believe that's how it went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, directed by Michael Arden, who, of course, people know uh, who played Quasimodo in the uh, off- Broadway production of Hunchback of Notre Dame with which Rachel and I saw in person together in New Jersey which was so fun so he directed that production uh his husband Andy Mantis who was in um the national tour of Spring Awakening and the uh was in that production of the 2015 revival I remember when this first was announced I was kind of like this is crazy oh. we're already doing a revival <laughs> But, but it was 10 years later yeah almost. yeah that's true that's true but I was I don't know it's just I but I think because it was such a different interpretation of it um I heard it was great it got nominated for best revival it did not win and it and it was it did perform at the Tony Awards and it did perform at the Tony Awards yeah and it but, was great um I've heard I heard great things about it so that's really cool that it came back around in such a different interpretation too um, yeah I love this show I know it's great why do you like why do you like the show 
We talked about why we think other people like the show, but why do you like the show? Good question. Well, I've never seen it produced in front of my eyes, but I've mm-hmm. seen it on YouTube and I've watched it. I think I think it really comes down to the music. The music of the show mm-hmm. is so powerful and it's kind of incredible to see um, such heavy topics in with the, the the songs really portray them in a way that is kind of accessible um in a way even though uh they are difficult to talk about i think i think the writing of the music and the lyrics are so well done that you can it can open up conversations afterwards mm-hmm. i wouldn't i will say like i like the show but i think because it came out before our time a little bit it's not like a show that i'm like this is my favorite show like I don't gravitate towards it as like this is my show but I I like it a lot and I think yeah. and I hope I hope that I get to see it one day um, produced so yeah I hope it's revived on Broadway revived and revived with new how cool it'd be if that cast grew up to do really awesome things yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. For sure. Well, that concludes our discussion on Spring Awakening. Uh, guys, go please check out the documentary um, Spring Awakening, All That's Known uh, tomorrow on HBO Max. Support, um, support this show. It's, it's incredible. Thank you so much for talking about this, Rachel. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you. So fun. So fun. All right, Rachel, let's talk about character of the week. Let's do it. So this is a segment where Taylor and I pick a theater character that we're feeling like for this past week or this week. So, you know, we pick a character that we're feeling like the vibes of, and it can be a, you know, show character, like a play, someone from a play or a musical, or just in the theater realm in general. In the space that's right what vibes are we feeling we also would like to hear your characters comment on our social media pages tell us who you are this week you also can send us on our website if you go to the character of the week page you can send us a form as well and you make do it. yes do it we'll link that in the show notes below we you may get a shout out on an episode um rachel are you ready to hear my character of the week? I am. I can't wait to hear. So for those that don't know, you know, if you don't follow me on social media, like what are you really doing? Um, at the, <laughs> at the table, I mean, there's really not like that much exciting stuff, but you know, you'll get pics of my dog. You'll get pics of my gold. lovely, beautiful wife. You'll get, also gold. You know, our life near the ocean or, you know, at the beach. I hope that's what you call. You need to rename your Instagram account and be like, my life near the ocean i like long walks on the beach i know it sounds like my tinder or something yeah whatever he's married ladies yeah i'm taken wearing a ring you can't see it but i am wearing it (laughs) um for fun fact rachel took our engagement photos so you guys you know creep down back in 2017 and rachel took those photos so did yeah so far highlight tbt yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so my wife, for those that don't know, is currently in medical school. She's studying to become a doctor, which is super fun. She actually wants to be a surgeon. So, you know, one day, you know, some of our listeners, maybe she'll operate on you. Who knows? Um, legally, she cannot operate on me, <laughs> but she could operate on Rachel. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, because of that, so this uh this friday of releasing this episode she is taking her first uh license exam um for her med school career so you know her doctor career so that's super exciting it's been a little stressful in our house but because of that i feel like i have you know always you know forever and always really been playing the supportive husband i have been watching her on the sidelines so i and i actually wanted to shout out this is a character that kind of references the show that we are talking about because one of the characters the actors in the show that we talked about today played this character I am Kristoff in <laughs> Frozen. <laughs> so the reason why I chose Kristoff, of course, none other played by Jonathan Groff, who uh, also originated Melchior in Spring Awakening. Um, Kristoff, <laughs> I am Kristoff this week because literally in Frozen 2, 
Kristoff is like Anna or Anna, excuse me. It's Anna. Oh my gosh. Do you even know Frozen culture? In Frozen 2, he's like, Anna, I tell me what I need to do for you. Like anything, I'll be by your side. And I'm like, yes, Kristoff, that's all we need. So anyway, that's why I'm feeling like Kristoff, you know, I'm doing the dishes, I'm doing the laundry, I'm doing all the things. I'm riding the reindeer. <laughs> for <laughs> to get her to see her sister that's all I'm doing so that's my character of the week wow Taylor that is incredible I am obsessed on a real I, journey. <laughs> I went on a real journey and I thought you were gonna say Emmett from Legally Blonde Ooh. so also a good character also okay great close. um love that love that So um, my theater character for this week, Taylor, is someone who, like me, has been thinking, wow, don't people just sound so lovely? Like their voices are so great. And like, I wish I had that voice. That was literally me listening to all of these things. Speaking of mama who bore me and when uh, Lily Cooper uh, sings The Dark Eyed Noel, like I'm just thinking, don't I wish I have that voice and there's someone else who tricked someone into giving her her voice and that is Ursula and that's who I am this week (laughs) oh amazing amazing glad we're both Um, cartoons I like uh, that yeah well if you guys would like to join in on our discussion today uh, about spring awakening or about your character of the week join us on social media Oh my gosh, I'm not doing this. All right. Check us out. <laughs> I don't know. Check us out at theaternerdpod.com or you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at theaternerdpod and on Facebook at theaternerdpodcast. Thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next week. That's my, see, and that's, I'm just going to put that on my Instagram.